Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com with Tim O'Malley. I'm Tim Priester. Pete Sampson will join us in segment two for the recruiting roundup. And Tim, we... I mean, some surprising news, I think, on Wednesday night. We kind of stumbled upon, uh, you know, Will Fuller's announcement that he fully intends to come back uh, next year for a senior year. Great news for Notre Dame. And, of course, earlier in the week, uh, Notre Dame moved up to number four in the college football playoff rankings. And, obviously, they're right in the thick of things here to land one of those four playoff spots. But let's let's start with Will Fuller because that is the fresh news and and. You know, I find it interesting that a lot that that some people in the business say, "Well, they're." I think we were surprised at the timing of of the yes. announcement, but not the fact that Will Fuller would say, "You know what? I want to come back for my senior year." I think you have to know the kid, you have to know how humble uh, and grounded he is, and then we got a pretty good idea of how much the degree from Notre Dame meant to him because that was the first thing he stated last night. And the in the long history of not knowing who would go, cut, stay or go, Fuller was at that 50-50 list for me. I really had no idea. I didn't. I know, agree. I didn't think, I was stunned he said it. I'll credit to you for asking the question kind of point blank and reiterating it. I was stunned he said it last night. I'm not <laughs> stunned he's coming back. It's great news for Notre Dame's offense that he's coming back. And it's like we're all like, <laughs> you want him to, okay, now you want him to reiterate yeah, it, was it a moment again. Of and then after I asked him <laughs> twice and he was asked a third time, and he, and he clearly wanted to say that he was coming back for, for his senior year. And then... Uh, Mike Birch from Notre Dame, you know, after the interview goes to double check, is that exact? Is that what you wanted to say? And Birch came back and confirmed it. So, you know, look, I understand that that he can change his mind. He's certainly entitled to change right. his mind, uh, and it's happened before. But the way it was delivered, and then for Mike Birch to follow up and say, "Are you sure that's what you wanted to say?" say and for Fuller to, to reaffirm it. I think Notre Dame's in a pretty good spot here and can feel pretty confident that he'll, he will be back next well, let's year. Let's put it this way. If, if Will Fuller ends up going, it's probably because he scores another 14 touchdowns in the next well, five games, so Notre Dame wins the national title. and he, I think Notre Dame fans would wish him well, and he can get his degree a little later. So it, he'll be back, I think. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, it's not like greatness is all, the, all of a sudden going to sneak up on him in the right. last couple games. He knows, and you can see, too, by the way he carries himself and the confidence and in, in how how comfortable he is within his stardom now within a game, which we didn't see, you know, 10, 12 games ago. Uh, it's not like suddenly he's going to wake up and say, hey, man, I'm really good. I should go to the NFL. He knows that, but he wants to get his degree. And and maybe he understands we didn't get this maybe for for down the road a little bit, but, does, you know, everybody says he's got to improve his hands. He's got to improve his hands. I'd be curious. I didn't follow up last night because there were so many people to talk to and so many things to do, but – you know, where he sees himself in terms of his hands and ability to catch the football consistently. And yeah, I think he can definitely improve coming back, too. He's a dominant college football receiver. There's no doubt about that. It's just that he's he's slightly built. He has smaller hands. He's not a big guy. The NFL, it doesn't mean he can't do well. He could be great. Deshaun Jackson's built the same, but there's those are exceptions to the rule. I think Fuller could be, but it doesn't mean you leave early. 
you can come back and, and improve your game, right. and you don't have to leave early to be a great NFL player. Clearly, it's not the NBA where seniors get devalued. I mean, you can really help your draft stock. Yeah, I, you know, I think he has improved his strength. I mean, think about where he was early on, Chris Brown as yeah. well. But obviously, there's more room for growth. And when you go into the NFL, I say this all the time. I mean, you've got to, you've got, you have to have a suit of armor on you to survive that that level of football. And he's not there yet. So, you know, I commend him. I'm happy that that was that that's his decision. It certainly uh, is a huge step forward next year when they try to build another great offense. The offensive line is a little different situation. You and I were talking about that. And we'll get into that, you know, down the road because they'll have two people to replace there. But uh, great step uh, for Notre Dame offense, 2016. And his backup, we got a new little note from Pete that uh, Equinemius St. Brown uh, seemed to have injured his shoulder yesterday in practice. Um, he does play on special teams. Clearly, he's, he wasn't going to impact the rest of the season as a wide receiver. But we'll talk to BK about that tonight. And he will most likely, with Fuller staying, I would assume it will become St. Brown versus Robinson in that W position next year because you want to get him on the field and they can rotate and you're not taking Fuller off. Yeah, that, that would be a situation where you can play both at yes. the W yes. position, whereas with Fuller, obviously, you don't ever want to take him off the field. That could be that could be a healthy situation. Uh, really great size at the W position with those two guys. So, um, yeah, and even Will Fuller made a comment last night that, yeah, hey, I'm looking forward to playing with Equinemi St. Brown. Playoffs on on on. Tuesday, Tim, we uh, Notre Dame was elevated to the number four spot. Not a surprise. I think we were kind of anticipating it. I was kind of saying, are we sure LSU is going to drop behind them? And they fell all the way to ninth. I, I was just throwing that out there as, as a possibility. And you didn't know, would Iowa jump up? Would Oklahoma State jump up? Oklahoma State with a huge win over TCU. Yeah, I thought they would jump up Oklahoma State <laughs> higher than they did. Um, I'm kind of glad they didn't. I was projecting what I thought the committee would do, rewarding the, the most recent big win, but well, they hadn't played anybody. And, you know, I know there's some conversations on the board about even if someone comes out of the Big 12 undefeated, why are we giving them credit? They only played each other for a month. <laughs> that I mean, the, th- those teams are decent. They may not be the top four teams in the country, but Baylor, Oklahoma State, and TCU are certainly top fifteen quality teams, right? So you're winning three games against top fifteen foes. Oh, no doubt. In that time, now and Oklahoma, they do have one loss, but Oklahoma went to Tennessee. I think Oklahoma is the best of those teams, but they're going to be they're going to have trouble getting out of this month as well. Um, I do think the Big Twelve will eat itself. I think Notre Dame, if, obviously, if they beat Stanford, can take care of the Pac ten, and they're in Pac twelve. I can't. I'll never say that right. By the way. It's the Pac-12. Yeah, well, we're we're old enough to to do that. So it's great news, the number four. I do think they're going to fall back if they don't look great over the next two weeks. Even if they do, I think they could fall to five, but a win over Stanford puts them back in it. So I don't think people need to fret about that. Yeah, but but again, we're still learning how to deal with this playoff format. And and with Notre Dame playing Wake Forest and Boston College the next two weeks, um, and and Baylor playing Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, if yeah. they come out with wins, I don't think it would be a surprise if Notre Dame dropped back to number five temporarily. You're right. Um, they would probably move back in front of Baylor uh, Stanford weekend, but of course Baylor would then be playing TCU that weekend. So if I mean that would yeah. be that would be an instance where if, if three weeks from now Baylor is still undefeated. Almost regardless what Notre Dame would do against Stanford, I would think Baylor would be ahead of Notre Dame. Would uh, they not? Uh, probably, but you're also looking at, I mean, this is brought up, you could be looking at three lost TCU. TCU could just get ripped up by all the teams true. right now. and So and, it wouldn't have yeah. as much value. I think Notre Dame fans need Oklahoma to win the November tournament of the Big 12 because they have a loss, and it's to Texas. And it is to, yes. They, have a, they would have a very nice resume, but they would have lost to Texas. And I understand that Oklahoma-Texas is a much different animal than Notre Dame-Texas was. 
But hey, that you can't look at your, you know, it's a rivalry game, but that that's to be argued by the Oklahoma fans. It's like if Notre Dame would have only one loss to BC and say, so you don't understand, this is a rival that always comes well, up. Well, considering where Texas was at that point, right. you they absolutely can't lose yeah. that game. Iowa's number five, and I, and I kind of got ahead of myself on Twitter the other night where I was saying, well, hey, if Iowa... You know, if Iowa wins the the uh, the Big Ten championship, which I don't believe they're going to, I think they would lose to Ohio State. They would move ahead of Notre Dame, and then everybody said, "Well, Ohio State would fall behind." I, I understood that. I was getting ahead of myself because I was looking at Baylor, and right. hey, if Baylor comes out of Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, they're probably going to move ahead of Notre Dame. So, just throwing it out there, I guess I, I having grown up when. In this business, when Notre Dame went to a Fiesta Bowl at 6-4-1 in 1994, and the process is so awesome. We are so lucky now for college football to be in a playoff situation. This is a playground for the for us. This is awesome. So I guess I kind of want to enjoy it a little bit yeah, for the next yeah. couple of weeks because Notre Dame's in a position to stay right up there. But Iowa could be a fly in the ointment, you know, moving forward. Um but they would they would have to get by Ohio State in the, in, in the Big Ten championship, and I, I doubt that would happen. And just two Big Ten teams aren't going. This no, no, yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. Nor do they deserve to. And no. November, you mentioned how this this is a playground. This is the playoffs. November's great, and Notre Dame fans can sit back and relax because they're not going to lose to Wake right. Forest. And so we don't need eight teams. We don't like no, you we comment on on this one. We do not need eight teams in the playoffs. Not I mean, we're always trying to reinvent the wheel. This is this is awesome. It this is. is the best. No, you remember when Notre Dame went to the Fiesta Bowl at six four one and had no business being in that game against Colorado. We have advanced so far in twenty years. I'm just excited for college football for the next three weeks, four that was, weeks. That was my senior year, and the biggest fight they put up was on the team bus on the way to the game for that one. <laughs> they had no. And they business. lost that. And they fight lost too. that fight too. Yes, but uh, that, no, this is fantastic. You know, we people that want eight games are going to argue that well, that would be fun too. I I don't think it would be as fun. I think you would devalue November. I don't need to get on the soapbox on this. Four games until 2026. It doesn't matter. I'm telling you, they're not going. To, they are not going to expand this until after the first agreement is over. So let's enjoy our mini playoffs in November and uh, the upcoming playoffs afterwards. And I, and, I, and, I, and I know you referred to it, but I'm not sure a lot of people realize how long that agreement is. It's until 2026. 20, 26. Yeah. So look, this is working. Let's just enjoy it as we move forward. Now, I wonder before we get into Wake Forest, I want to ask you about. Um, you know, we use the term the 40-year decision with Notre Dame. Um, you got a little different spin on that, which I think is interesting. Yeah, the senior class, the 2012 freshmen, uh, 37 wins, three more wins, which is obviously the goal, would give them 40 wins. It's a 40-win decision for those guys coming to Notre Dame. And I think it's it's important because think about that. Pete mentioned this last night when I was telling him the idea for the story. It's an average of 10 wins a year. It didn't work out that way. It's much different. It's going to be 12, 11, and, and those two years kind of lost in the eight. middle, but yeah. 9 and 8. Although we last year we got to talk about it was it was a fun year until the last three weeks basically so you're you know when you're in the race I I think obviously no one wants to end on four but when you're in the race there's something to be said of that but this class is going to win forty games that hasn't happened to a Notre Dame recruiting class since the gold standard 1990 that's Bryant Young Jeff Burris Tom Carter Jerome Bettis all those guys they were forty eight and one this class if they win the next three would be forty and eleven. 40-8-1. Yeah. Right. It'd be better yes. if they were 48 and 1. Yeah, that'd be, that'd, awesome. be, yeah. that'd be really good. 40-8-1. Um, I mean, and previously, of course, the, the 88 
freshman did that, but not since 1990, and those guys are the who's who of Notre Dame recruiting and football players. Are you guaranteeing 40 wins? No, but I think that, well, you know, if they do lose to Stanford, I think they would probably win their bowl game, but I, I think that probably, that's, that's yeah. the worst case scenario to 40 wins, but I am guaranteeing 39 uh, <laughs> coming up, so... I think that, yeah, 40 wins, is it's a huge stepping stone. I know they play a little bit, they play some more games this year, but it's a pretty impressive job by a 17-man class that lost five guys along the way, including two five-stars that never played it down. No doubt about it. No doubt. Uh, and that's why when, when when I hear people complain about Brian Kelly, look, he's not perfect and we, you know, we, we, nobody agrees with every decision that's made, but look where Notre Dame football is under right. Brian Kelly. Right. Good Lord. After the you know the fifteen years prior to that or however many years it was, uh, that's why I referenced last year. It was a fun ride for yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Well, I mean, up up through the Florida State game, it was magical. Even even in losing, that was magical. Okay, let's move on, Tim, to uh, to Wake Forest game. Notre Dame a twenty seven point favorite, right around there. Uh, A team that is uh, offensively challenged to say the least. It's really kind of amazing they average eighteen points per game. (laughs) And really kind of amazing the progress that they've made because last year they averaged an incredible 1.3 yards per carry and 40 yards rushing per game. It doesn't seem possible, the 1.3. <laughs> For sake of reference, the 07 Notre Dame team that everybody remembers was over two yards a carry. So they were almost a yard per carry less than that. Yeah. It's, it, as you said, when you get up to 3.1 this year, you've made some progress. You've overhauled everything. But. Well, your, your program, and Dave Dave Clawson, not a lot of people know about him. He, he rejuvenated three programs, including... Bowling Green to to a large extent. I don't know how much rejuvenation was necessary at that They're point. Up, they have some good they years, have, but yeah, yeah, I can't remember. Their uh, but he's a you know he's a good young coach. He's in his mid to late forties. I want to say late forties. Uh, and the one thing that he has done is, along with Mike Elko as defensive coordinators, they've created a a pretty darn good defense. Yeah. They have some weaknesses in it. There's no doubt on third down and some of the. Some of the, some of the the tough aspects of playing quality, consistent football defensively, but they're pretty good, and they've got a chance to throw a little bit of a wrench into Notre Dame's offense this weekend. Right, it's not as much of a break. I use that word because that's what teams need at this stage because they play defense and they're going to hit Notre Dame. The Massachusetts game was kind of a break. It was the only real break on the schedule, and it's a testament to Notre Dame's run so far that they've. I mean, they have played. They're eight and one, right? They've played. Eight games where they could have lost going into that game, where you think this other yeah. team has a chance. We didn't know. I mean, obviously they couldn't have lost to Georgia Tech, but going in, they Absolutely. sure could have. So this is one they won't lose. You, I mean, this would be a colossal all-time upset. But it's not as much of a break as other teams get in November. You're still getting hit by a, a decent defense, a Power Five conference team. I do think they'll handle them pretty easily. It's just that they might not go out and put. I don't think they go out and put that 50-60 on the board. Uh, nor do they need to at this point. I do think. Covers the wrong word, but I do think they have to kind of make the score pretty obvious who won and not let Wake creep in. You mentioned don't let it be 50-30. to 30. looks terrible. Yeah. So 48-28. You need to really kind of handle both sides of the ball. Well, Jack and I have joked that, you know, whatever the opposing team averages add another 10, 7 to 10 points when they play Notre Dame. If that happens this week, we're talking about Wake Forest scoring 27 points. That that ah, would look that would, would look bad. And it... Yeah. You know, I mean, a cumulative effect, it, it could hurt them in their ranking, dropping from fourth to fifth, for whatever that's worth, even though we all believe that if they do run the table, beating Stanford at Stanford, it'll be good enough to be in, in the top four. But, uh, um, you know, Wake, like Temple, like Pittsburgh, also like Boston yeah. College, really, really good defensively in the red zone. 
it, I, I think it helps that Notre Dame's not at Wake. I think you could maybe have that little worry right now. The line would probably be, I don't know, 16 and a half, 17 in that situation. I expect Notre Dame to convert in the red zone with their new, the new Friday setup, I guess, is the key, right? Just practice a little red zone on Friday mentally, and you go four for four. There's well, no... and the, 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 key, <laughs> the key there was really in the meeting room yeah. is what, what they did on Thursday. Then they sat down and watched the film. Okay, here's what we do. Real specific. It was interesting asking Will Fuller about it because he didn't say it, of course, but basically he could have just said, just throw me the ball and I'll catch it. Although he didn't against Temple and didn't come back at the goal line as well as he should have. But I just, anytime I find a a story about a coach who does something that he hasn't done in 25 years right. of coaching and then looks at it and like, why the hell didn't I do that before? I, I think it's interesting and Another example of the evolution of a football coach, a good football coach like Brian Kelly. Yeah, I think it, we, I harped on goal-to-go situations. We've harped on red zone. It was four, four, four for four at Pittsburgh, the team, one of the teams in the country. that I know they give up points there, but they don't give up touchdowns. They look great doing it. I expect them to – I don't expect them to go five for five for touchdowns necessarily either, no. against Wake. But and I they do, definitely won't against Boston College. Right, but um, yeah, BC could be out there locked – in a field by themselves and couldn't score 20 points, so I'm not sure that one matters. But, yeah, BC I would still worry about more because they can play such good defense. But you could maybe give them the ball and get out of the way and they might not score in three plays. Is... BC could run a skeleton <laughs> offense and not score. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It would take, like, you know how Nordy runs that tempo, five to score? Right. They... It'd take, like, 16. <laughs> After 16 plays that somebody would score. Set, send this to Steve Adazio yeah, and right. see how he reacts. He'll be, he'll be whipping his players in practice. But, you know, Wake Forest, I really for the first time, since the Texas game, we're almost undoubtedly going to see two quarterbacks used. Uh, John Wolford, who's the passer, and, and Kendall Hinton, who's the runner. Uh, that's kind of making it a little bit too simplistic. But they have way more interceptions thrown than they do touchdown yeah. passes. And so uh, they're really, really challenged offensively. I, if 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 Wake's four scores 20 points against Notre Dame, it's a bad day. Right. I, I don't even care if, it's a, if they're given a short field. You cannot give this team... Uh, a point total in the twenties. It, it it would be a it would be a, a a bad way to end your home schedule. And let's speak about ending the you know the home schedule because there have been times in the past where Notre Dame hasn't played very well, and they you know they probably are due for a little bit of a, a emotional letdown considering what they've gone through emotionally the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it happens sometimes. The first quarter at Senior Day, it tends to be a little you know get the tears out of your eyes. I mean, they talk about it. But... A couple players talk about how they're not going to be able to not cry when they see their moms. Yeah, it does Joe, affect you. I mean, Joe Schmidt game. clearly yeah. is going to be emotional. Yeah, it, but I mean, you know what? They can win. They can go undefeated at home. I think it would be the thirteenth time in twelfth time in fifty three years go undefeated at home. Two by Brian Kelly. Lou Holtz had three only, which is remarkable when you think he about really that. Really is. Um, I think Era had four for the record, um, and none of the other guys. You know, Divine a, had one. Um, I wrote a story on this sometime. Was Era four? I, don't, I think he had how, how do I remember? <laughs> but think about that. Jack, though. find that story later. <laughs> yeah, that it's under home wins. But <laughs> if you think about it, there's just not, it's a rare thing. I think you'll see Notre Dame's best defensive effort, partly because Wake Forest is bad on offense since Texas, actually. The key is don't give up. The, the cosmetic points are going to matter a little bit. Maybe not one touchdown at the end, but if you really take care of business and you can be up. 31 to 3 and you give up one touchdown at the end with your backups that's fine. Yeah. You can't but you can't let them get that 13 points and then they they're going to score on your backups cuz you got to get some of these guys out too. You can't leave Jalen Smith and these guys out there in a fourth quarter game and that's where it's gone to pot for them at home against Georgia Tech. I mean, you that's different. It's hard to stop the option if you're a backup. You need your 
you need your backup defense to play well in this game just for some cosmetic points. I have it. I don't know if it's wishful thinking because it's basically covering and would look good. <laughs> 38 to 10. But you don't want it to be 31 to 10 when you take your guys out because yeah. that, 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 those two minute touchdown drives, you, you see them in your head. They happen so often at home. We're standing on the sidelines ready to interview people and it's. I mean, they happened last week <laughs> yeah. in Pittsburgh, you know, and it just, le- it's just, it, it just leaves a cloud over things, I guess, a little bit. I don't want to. I mean, to me, 17 points is the limit. Don't let it yeah, get beyond right. 17. 17 looks great. 13 is a good number. Yeah. I, I think that. I think that the Notre Dame defense should expect that of themselves. Right. That, that you know, I mean, hold them down to less than two touchdowns, a couple field goals. Um, hey, Wake Forest has a great Wake Forest punter. <laughs> is about to no check this out. Wake Forest punter is about to set the NCAA record for punts. And punting yardage. Nice. That's pretty good. I mean, this guy is active. This guy is good. <laughs> he's active. He's a, he's a, he is actually pretty good, but the kid's had so much damn practice that it, it's no wonder he's good at it. This reminds me of Brian Kelly talking for four minutes and 50 seconds about Wake Forest because the worse the team is, the longer his preamble is yeah, getting into it. Yeah, true. You get like Clemson. He's like, good quarterback, good defense, ready to go. Questions. <laughs> you get yeah. Wake Forest, you're talking about punters and second team Irish defense, you know, but that's a good sign that we're talking about second team Irish defense because it means style points matter. Playoffs. At that's this stage they, they do at least a little bit. So your predicted score was 38-10. 38-10 and I'll of course have the preview on Friday. So, okay, we will uh we'll come back for segment 2 and talk Notre Dame football recruiting. Segment two on Irish Illustrated Insider, a little bit of a different format today, a Pete Sampson recruiting monologue. Uh, we got National Signing Day for Hoops this week. Mike Bray signed three, Nick Jogo, TJ Gibbs, John Mooney into the class, but certainly this is more of a football show. So we're previewing the Wake Forest weekend, which I think is going to be much more substantial in the recruiting calendar for Notre Dame than anybody would have predicted a month ago, myself included, uh, because not only do you have commits, you have senior prospects, and I would at this point be surprised if Notre Dame did not pick up a junior commitment. So first, the commitments that are scheduled to be in here as of today, Khalid Kareem, four-star defensive end, one of Notre Dame's newest commitments, Cole Komet, the junior tight end outside Chicago, and then DJ Morgan, the safety from outside of Los Angeles. We haven't really spent much time talking about Robert Beal, the newest junior commitment. He won't be in here for the weekend, but this really was one of Notre Dame's cornerstone targets for the junior cycle out of Georgia, family in South Bend, has visited multiple times, a kid that really Notre Dame had to get. And if you watch film of him, I would encourage you to do so. He is really a different kind of defensive end than what Notre Dame has signed often over the last few cycles under Brian Kelly. On top of all that, you got two really important official visitors coming into the senior class and Damian Alloway, the slot receiver from outside Los Angeles, and then Oluwole Batiku, also from outside the L.A. area, uh, Alloway, I've sort of gone on record earlier in the summer that I thought Notre Dame was going to get him. I've backed off that since. I think this is probably 50-50 or, or maybe better said 51-49 to UCLA over Notre Dame right now. I don't think Notre Dame is desperate to get him, even though he's a very quality slot receiver. Uh, but if they don't get him, there are other guys on the board, Dion McIntosh, Melky Stovall, to name a couple off the top of my head. But then Batiku is more of that change-the-face-of-this-class type of prospect. Uh, And if there's anybody in the senior class that could go to Brian Kelly and say, you know what, 
I'd like to start on Notre Dame's football team next year. Batiku would be the guy. I think his skill set is that different from what Notre Dame has on the roster right now. They don't have a whole lot of talent at the defensive end. They lose a little bit in Romeo Aquara, Isaac Rochelle. Maybe he moves inside with Sheldon Day out. So Batiku really is sort of a an outside edge rusher that Notre Dame does not sign very often in terms of a national scope. Uh, so keep an eye on him. Texas A&M, Florida, Florida State are all involved. USC is sort of getting back into that picture there. Uh, he has talked about visiting midweek, was supposed to visit midweek. Uh, it's a local trip for him, so not uh, maybe of too much substance there. But A&M, I think people have sort of handicapped them as maybe the potential leader there. But keep an eye on Notre Dame. He reminds me a little bit of Jeffrey McCulloch, the linebacker from Texas, in the sense that he's a kid that maybe doesn't know a whole lot about Notre Dame, but would fit Notre Dame once he got here. Uh, so keep an eye on how that transpires over the weekend. I'm not saying Notre Dame's going to pick up a commitment from him right away or anything of that nature, but uh, I do think Notre Dame could sort of have that cliched home run visit with Batiku. Now, into the junior class, uh, Corey Malone Hatcher will be in. Local defensive end prospect from Michigan has visited a bunch, but the guy to really watch this weekend is Avery Davis, the quarterback out of Cedar Hill, Texas. Scout has him at number 96 overall in their top 100 for the junior class. He's a six foot, 180 pound quarterback. Notre Dame was really one of his more recent offers, and I think you once you dig a little bit deeper into the board there, you see that Notre Dame not only stands a good chance, but they stand a great chance to pick him up this weekend. I would not be surprised, frankly, as you listen to this, if he hasn't indicated to Mike Sanford that Notre Dame's already going to be the pick, and he just wants to confirm it with a visit this weekend. Now, why do I say that? You have to look at the other Texas programs and the Midlands programs about how they've, how they've gone about recruiting quarterbacks in the 2017 class. And it's really significant to me that TCU, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Baylor, and Texas all have quarterback commitments in the 2017 class. So really, in-state or even a local option is not there for Davis. I know that he has a connection with Brock Wright, at least mildly socially so far so they know each other so there's some some familiarity with Notre Dame and certainly the way Notre Dame is playing this season should really factor positively for the Irish so if you get Kaiser followed by Wimbush followed by Book and then followed by Avery Davis after that I think suddenly Notre Dame can look back and sort of revisit the Hunter Johnson situation which seemed kind of dire for Notre Dame's recruiting at the time when he got away to Tennessee but if you get Avery Davis, who is really athletic, maybe undersized, but extremely athletic, getting out of the pocket, bursting upfield, uh, his film is very impressive to me. If he commits to Notre Dame over the weekend or in the near future, I think Notre Dame recruiting at the quarterback spot is in great shape. And then you look at the 2017 class overhaul with two tight ends, two offensive linemen, Robert Beal at uh, defensive end out of Georgia, like I'd mentioned earlier. Notre Dame recruiting is in a good spot, and it's something that we've been mentioning on the podcast quite often, that Notre Dame was going to need some time to rebuild its recruiting department after all the personnel turnover that they had, but they're finally at a healthy point now. Brian Kelly mentioned that on Tuesday during his press conference that he felt that way too. So i got to give a lot of credit to Notre Dame's recruiting department, Mike Elston, and all the support staff they have for the work that they've done. So that's it for Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. I'm Pete Sampson with Tilma Malley and Tim Priester. We'll be back on Monday, November 16th, to wrap up Wake Forest, talk a little bit about Notre Dame's playoff prospects. So until then, thanks for listening.